You're now listening to Hack and Grow Rich with Shaheen Shayan and his co-host, Bart Baggett, where we discuss hacking your way to success and the unconventional paths to unreasonable success with the people who've been there. And now, the author of Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, Shaheen Shayan. Today, we're going to focus on Shaheen Shayan. He is an author, a speaker, a leading Amazon export expert, and, and an export. I'm sure he's exporting and importing as well. That was Freudian, but not really. Um, and you're going to find out about what is in his mouth. Uh, and uh, as I said, the man is fascinating. What can I say? And uh, a little bit about him. And I'm just not sure that anything could do justice uh, to his very colorful background. Shine Shine built a billion dollar business by the time he was 18 by creating a thrill pill cult. He's an award-winning business mogul, author, filmmaker, and inventor of herbal ecstasy, the neotropic that sparked the 100% legal smart drug movement. He's been called the Willy Wonka of Generation X. Now, he's the world's leading Amazon industry expert. Let's welcome him on to the show. Shane, welcome. So good to be on, Joseph. And... Let me tell you, I've at this stage done about 150 of these podcasts and interviews, and I was recently on Adam Carolla's show. Um, and one thing I like about him that I like about you as well, and I'll start it by asking you a question. Joseph Jaffe, not famous, do you know why angels fly? Do I know why angels fly? Um, I don't. Because they take themselves lightly. Uh, you know what that deserves, my friend? It deserves that. It deserves that. And what it doesn't deserve is that. <laughs> yeah, you got the roadcaster. I love it. What, and what, what do you mean? These are just these. No, of course, I've got the roadcaster. <laughs> and I will, I will accredit that to my hero, and mentor in life, although I've never met him, Alan Watts, who said that. But it kind of leads us to what I think is the biggest downfall, not only of most entrepreneurs, but of most people in general in just being human. And that's that they're just too fucking serious. They take themselves so seriously, which leads me to a really funny story if you want me to tell it. But you know, I started this company when I was a teen, grew it to over a billion dollars in revenue while I was still a teen, pre-internet, a billion with a B, was one of the largest supplement manufacturers at that time. I invented a drug and it became a, a huge thing, a supplement, really. And I remembered that one day I had an a Asian client that really, really was pushing to get a territory. Uh, you know, we had broken down the company into various territories and, and I knew nothing about business and he had sent gifts and written all these very serious letters and all these serious people had come to my office and I'd just been ignoring him. And after a while I wrote back to him, forgive that sound. I'm going to cl close that out. But I, I wrote back to him. We had faxes at that time. Remember it was pre-internet. So I 
wrote back to him on a piece of construction paper with crayons, and I faxed him a picture that said something silly like, little green monster says yes. And I remember the confusion that ensued. It went from one department to another department, to the secretary, to the, and they're all looking at that this scribble that was basically just me fucking with them. And at the end of the day, the guy calls me, the man, the head honcho, the head of this mega corporation. And he goes, you know what? I like you. I get it. And that was it. We were on. Because I knew that he shared that same sense of humor. And at that moment in my life, I couldn't fucking take any more serious people. So it was epic. So with that said, I appreciate you, Joseph Jaffe. Well, thank you. And you know what? What I should have actually played for you is is my favorite uh, introduction, which I think I played uh, last night. But this is my best one. So I'm going to show it to you um, because I think it. I think he got it. He gets the brief. He gets me. He would get you. You would get him. This is Tom Arnold. Joseph Jaffe is not famous. Me, Tom Arnold, I am very famous. I absolutely like, because it's very true. Like, I hadn't freaking heard of you until I was sitting on a Friday night. This is how bad my life is. Listen, fucker, uh, good luck. Good luck with your rebranding. Like, anybody knew what the name was before. What was the name? Okay, who gives a shit? That's a good name. Because it's got your name in it. You can pretend you're humble. You say, I'm not famous. And, uh, you know, uh, which you aren't. <laughs> You're just not being a... Anyway, but I hope you get famous doing this. Good luck to you. He, he you love it, you, right? You love you some cameo. I saw a few others on there. You had. Uh... You, know, you know what? You you are destroying. You you have you have. I am the I am the old short bald white guy behind behind the curtain. I am the wizard of Oz, and you have just you have exposed me. I am naked. <laughs> and afraid <laughs> and in an embryo position right now all because of you no so to you. your to your credit you're using all the tools that we teach our students to use you have to in life become a hacker my podcast is called hack and grow rich we're close to about i think something like a hundred thousand subscribers across our different channels now and what we teach is that nobody wins by playing the game the way they tell you to play it big resellers, e-commerce giants like Amazon. I teach this course called Amazon Mastery where I teach people how to make predictable recurring revenue on the Amazon platform. I teach people how to find products, sell them on the Amazon platform. And what they want you to believe is fucking bullshit. They want you to believe that if you are a good little boy, Joseph Jaffe, and you follow their rules, that you are going to be just fine. But the fact is there's 10 million sellers on there and growing. There are multiple people competing for that same little piece of cheese. And if you don't get creative the way you have using cameos, using 
the fame and authority of people using all these tools that are very efficient and effective. You're using an inexpensive tool to build authority and affect change. If you don't know how to do those things, and you, to your credit, have done that instinctually. We teach that in our course, and we teach people how to use platforms like Craigslist and, and Cameo, how you can get famous people to be authority figures and figures of influence for your product. You did it intuitively, which is awesome. You'd probably be great at Amazon. I know you're getting into the, the e-commerce space. But the fact is, you have to use every tool in your arsenal and you have to find out what tools the competition isn't using and you have to jump on it like a fucking, I don't know, but you got to jump on it. Like it was a gazelle and you're a lion in the savannah. Joseph you know, I, was, I was just thinking that that you, you said this beautiful contradiction, which you then reconciled uh, quite also, uh, no doubt, uh, instinctually. And you said... And I'm gonna I'm gonna reframe what you said. Basically, you have to understand the rules to break them. You have to understand the rules, maybe not to break them, but to figure out how to get by them or or bend them. Um, and and I'll and I'll give you an example. Uh, it's just funny. It just it struck me. I um, the show changed. I won't mention the name of the show before because why? I found that the show was getting shadow banned. And I wasn't able to promote the show and I couldn't understand it. And so instead of trying to, you know, as a, a the water, the river never beats down the rock, but goes around the rock and slowly over time breaks that rock down into sand. And so you got to understand the rules. It's almost like if I was giving someone advice right now, I would say, I want you to go to YouTube and I want you to read all the rules, read every single one, every nuance and then figure out how to break them. That's what I heard from you. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. And not only that, you've got to have swiftness. You have to have efficiency. You have to be able to be okay with confrontation. You have to be okay having thick skin. You have to be okay, in your case, having trolls. There's people that are going to hate you. There's people that are not going to like you. Fuck them. It doesn't matter. You have to be on rails, moving towards the destination. And the best way to do that, is, as you've very well discovered, my friend, is by not taking shit seriously. Yeah, every, like look, every, by the way, everybody loves me except the people that hate me. So, I mean... <laughs> Now, now, I mean, talking about uh, th not taking things seriously, one of the things that I started also, just sometimes something works, you do something differently, and, w and when you have fun with it, you keep doing it. And I, I call it fun facts. And I, and I figured, you know, let me have some fun with you. So, um, you know, well, the, so the first thing I had is I'm not really sure who the real Bobby Axelrod is. Yeah. Um, and, I'm, and I'm pretty sure the guy on the left, the good-looking guy on the left, is a little bit more uh, successful uh, than the actor on the right. Um, I don't but, know. Uh, Dan you know. Daniel Lewis is unbelievable. He is a fucking hero. And by the way, this guy, he speaks with like, okay, in in the show, he speaks with a perfect Bostonian accent. Yeah. You think he's fucking American. He's English. And watch his interviews. He's fucking English. And I don't mean a little English. That guy is like Queen's English. 
No, it's it, it, it's it's amazing, and of course he was in uh, Homeland, and uh, uh, he's he's done a great job with that. We're going to talk about your wonderful book, uh, Billion, um, but and we're also going to take a step back and uh, and talk about this is what I thought of with you know with you the <laughs> the movie. Uh, the movie Limitless. Not you know everybody knows about Bradley Cooper, but they don't know about the man behind the man. But I, I thought maybe let's take a small. Did you, did you know that Bradley Cooper was in my house in Venice before the film at a party, and we were hanging out talking about all kinds of fun things before Listen, he did that movie. Funny enough, did, right? Did you know that I once went to see the Elephant Man on Broadway, and Bradley Cooper came out and took a selfie with me? No way, really. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the not famous equivalent of your famous. You see, now, now you're fucking with me. No, it's really true. <laughs> is it really? It really is true. We waited until afterwards he came out and just he took he took a, a nice blurred selfie with my camera. I love uh, that. And then he you sent me a bill. That. And then he sent me a bill. No, I'm kidding. Um, so I I, I want to take a step back and I I want to hear about your origin story you know take me back to when you were bitten by the radioactive spider um or the equivalent it, it's it's actually it's an amazing story i mean you know your family fleeing um and i was listening to the interview with with adam carolla and i was like you know potato potato tomato tomato uh i will pronounce it the way you pronounce it uh in south africa i guess we would have said iran um but and here they would say i ran and i think you guys did run so I ran, you ran, we all ran for, for Iran. How do you pronounce the country? Iran. Iran, that's what I would have said. T tell us about the story because, you know, it's amazing. You leave, you leave home at a young age, um, but this is after having to uh, come to a new country, establish yourself, have your family establish themselves. I want to understand what, what made you tick, what motivated you then and 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 now because it's a it's an incredible story yeah we moved from iran back in the late 1970s to the united states via germany of course and we landed here in iran we were solid middle class came to the united states we were poor my dad was working at a pizza shop at dry cleaners whatever he had to do to make ends meet my mom was a house mom she just took care of us a wife and and mother and it turns out that they got lucky and managed to buy a house in a neighborhood that was very up and coming and all around us grew all this wealth and for myself i thought man i want that we lived in the shittiest house on the block but there were all these big houses and fancy cars. And I was like, I want the Porsche and the beautiful girl sitting next to me and all those fancy things and the Rolex watch and all those, all those things. And when I went to my folks and I said, hey, how do you get that? They pointed to traditional education. They said, become a doctor, go to a school. That is what everyone does. Look at Mr. Tehrani next door. Mr. Tehrani is a doctor. He is rich. He's good. And I said, what? All right, let me be like that guy. And I looked at the guy and the dude was fat and he was bald and the wife was fat and bald and the kids were fat and bald. And, you know, yeah, he had this big house, but the bank owned it and he had this nice Mercedes, but the bank owned it and he didn't own his hours. And I was like, fuck me. If that's my future, I'm going to go just chill on the beach because I'm out. 
And I packed all my stuff and I left. I left home. And I went out to seek my fame and fortune. I had no money. I had no friends. And I found myself sleeping in these uh, buildings that they had built but were relatively abandoned until they finished construction. So I figured out how to get the codes, the lockbox codes, and I would go inside, sleep at night, wake up in the morning before the brokers or anybody came, and I would leave. I managed to eat by hanging out at the community college. They had some free food there. And I managed to get myself a mentor. The mentor guided me to the dance scene, the rave scene, the electronic music scene that was going crazy in those days, the rave scene of the 1990s. And what happened was that I started noticing in the clubs that there was a very specific group of people who were making money. And everybody else, Joseph Jaffe, were broke. It was the drug dealers. So I thought to myself, dude, let me be a drug dealer. That's great. That's perfect. Fast money. I'll get the car. I'll get the girls. I'll get the all the fancy things. This is great. And then I looked back to my adolescence coming here and my life of crime as an adolescence, realizing how fucking bad I was at crime. We had a little gang when I realized I didn't belong in school. And what I did was we had a, a little Greek kid. He was a midget or a little person, whatever the politically correct word is. He would slide under the metal detectors. We would go into the liquor store. We were a bunch of complete misfits. I mean, none of us belonged anywhere. There was something wrong with all of us. And we would create a distraction. He would steal the nudie magazines, the, the little bottles of alcohol, cigarettes, glue, whatever he could fit in his over, oversized clothes, slide under the, the metal detectors. And we had a flourishing business going in school. The only problem was we would always fucking get caught. Every time we would get caught, we would end up in detention where we would find more customers, sell more stuff, and get caught again. I think we were the most caught people ever. So at this point, I'm going, okay, well, a life of crime may not be for me because I am bad at crime. And then it hit me. What if I could invent a drug that was legal, that was natural, that could do what the biggest party drug of that time could do, ecstasy, without getting me in jail? So I embarked on that journey. I managed to get myself a girlfriend, complete hot mess. And her father was the superintendent of some school district somewhere. I managed to convince her to allow me to enter in through the back door while dude left through the front door to go to work. And I would cook up prototypes in her kitchen every day until one day we got a formula and it worked better than expected. And that night I found myself in the club, little teenage kid, with a baggies filled with these goo filled goo filled balls because I didn't have machine to buy the uh, didn't have the money to buy the machine to put it into actual capsules so we rolled little balls of these herbs and I had these baggies and we had a little card inside with a butterfly in it and I walked up to the biggest scariest motherfucking drug dealer I could find dude had tattoos on his face the little tear things meaning he probably killed somebody in jail or was killed by I don't know there was some something bad had happened to this guy. And I remember walking up to the guy and being like, hey, man. And he was like, I don't have any drugs. Get the fuck out of here. I'm out. And I said, oh, wait. I, I began to realize the supply of ecstasy had dried up during that time. 
and none of these drug dealers had any product to sell. And I said, no, no, I'm not interested in drugs. He said, fuck you, are you a cop? What are you doing? Are you a cop? I said, nope, definitely not a cop. Not a cop. Do I look like a cop? I'm, a t- I, I'm not even old enough to be a cop. He said, then why are you fucking with me? I'm going to kill you. I was like, nope, nope, you definitely don't want to kill me. I want you to sell this. And now here's a man who's selling real drugs. And a teenage kid that just ended up cooking some goo-filled capsule-looking things, holding up a baggie to this man that probably kills people for a living. He had bodyguards around him. He had like these uh, uh, females around him that were probably questionable as well, staring me down. At this point, I'm thinking to myself, man, that's it. I'm going to die. My life is over. This has been a good life and time to move on. And in that moment, two people walk up to him and the conversation ensues and they're asking him for stuff. He doesn't have it. They're giving him money. He's handing it back. Finally, he takes the money. He motions for me to come forward. He takes the bag, one of the baggies. He looks at me and he goes, you better not be fucking with me. He grabs the entire backpack. He says, don't go anywhere. I'll see you in two hours. It was the longest two hours of my life. I waited and waited and looked around the club and I thought people were having a good time. This guy's face only had one, one, one particular look. He did not own any other looks. This man, I think he didn't smile, didn't frown. He was just. And after two hours had passed, I walked up. It looked like people were having a good time. The people who purchased the pills from him looked to be happy. And I'm standing there thinking to myself, dude, I got to find a way to get this guy not to kill me. It it would be a win for the evening if I did not die. Tonight would be a good night to not die. And as I'm staring at this man, I'm thinking of all the excuses, all the things I'm going to say to him to not kill me. I'll work for him. I'll shine his car. I'll shine his boots, whatever he wants. And then he looks at me. I'm sweating bullets. And he says, kid, when can you get me more? And that was it. It went from one guy to 10,000 guys. A lot of these dealers became legitimized, and we got our product all over the world in 30,000-plus retail outlets. We were selling in Urban Outfitter, 7-Eleven, GNC. We were selling in all the big supermarkets, uh, music festivals. We were at Lollapalooza. We were in sex shops, adult shops, new age bookstores. Anywhere you went was our product until one day, I had an exotic car collection, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Porsches. I had the brand new NSX that came out, one of my favorite cars. I, I you know, was flying on private planes all over the place. I, I had boats, yachts, all that stuff. And I remember falling asleep, drooling on the passenger seat of my Lamborghini. Not a good look. Don't drool on those cars. They don't like it. And waking up, walking into my office, more like stumbling. And my secretary at the time was pale-faced. The news had come in that we had broke a billion dollars in revenue before Facebook, before the internet, before mobile phone madness of smartphone, iPhone, Apple phones, before Silicon Valley, we had broken a billion dollars. Teenage kid dropped out of school, no friends or family anywhere to be seen, but we broke a billion dollars. Sam Donaldson, the great interviewer, from Nightline was outside waiting to interview me. We were, Newsweek was was there to interview us, Los Angeles Times, New York Times, London Observer. We were everywhere. And I remember thinking to myself, Joseph, holy fucking shit. I don't know how much a billion dollars is. If they ask me how much a billion dollars is, I'm fucked because I have no, is it a thousand million, a hundred million? I'm fucked. 
And I remembered in that moment thinking to myself, fuck, does this mean I'm going to have to get an accountant? I think I'm going to have to get an accountant. And these were the level of sophistication that I had in those days. But it was a wild ride. And I write about it in my book, uh, Billion, How I Became Wait. King of the Thropoe Cult, which is available on Amazon. And Wait, just hold on a second. Book too. No, no yeah. Wait a second. Hang, hang on a second. You wrote a book? Uh, I think we're going to have to uh, make you the sponsor of the show. Um, so yeah. I got that logo up. I think maybe let's change the background and uh, nice. and let's do some more stuff. How about that? Uh, all that, um, all that. Um, but we we are we are celebrating the book and we're celebrating you. I mean, that was an amazing, amazing story. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I can give you, uh, you deserve the air horn too. I got nothing. I got, other than that, it's basically farting sounds and doors creaking. Um, I want to, I want to take a step back and I got lots of questions. First of all, Glenn says, uh, Iran, uh, I lived with a woman from Iran for 10 years and she hated hearing people say, I ran. She also, by the way, left in 1978. Uh, my mother is here, uh, and uh, and I just want her to say that I just want her to know uh, that uh, if I'm going to do all the swearing, here's one for you, my friend. Uh, if I wanted to say, <laughs> then I've got my own self bleeping mechanism. Uh, Manif is here. He said, Hello, I made it. And, you know, he said one of the most amazing things. He said, I watched Uncut Gems during 2020. New Year's Eve with Jaffe. He was with uh, New Year's Stream and Eve with me, 2021. And I will rewatch this show for 2022. Uh, and he adds, very sophisticated getting the book. So you've made at least one sale. Um, now, God, yeah. now I want to go back and I want to pick up on three things in this story. First yeah. of all, I want to I thank you for that story because it's one of the first times in a while where I got back to what I would say was my purest in this evolution, which is where I just basically, uh, and with apologies to my mom watching, I shut the fuck up and I listened <laughs> and I learned and I loved. I listened, I learned, and I loved what I heard. Let's start in no particular order with the idea of luck. The luck that your parents had when they purchased the house. But more importantly, the luck that that uh, how how could you have imagined that you would walk into this rave at a time when there was a you know there was a scarcity of uh, of ecstasy to be sold uh it i mean it's it's incredible it's unbelievable how do you respond to people who say but shine that's great and you got lucky how am i going to ever replicate that kind of luck Life is about luck, but it's not what you think. Luck can be created. And it's about being in the flow. Uh, a great author, uh, Chikset Mihai, who recently passed away, actually, just a few days ago, wrote the great book, Flow. And he talks about the amazing synchronicities that could potentially happen when you're in the flow. My whole life, I've been lucky. But I really believe that I have created my own luck. I don't believe that in life anybody ever handed me anything. I don't believe that 
I went to sleep and woke up and all the cards were in my favor. I just woke up on the right side of the bed and that's where the golden goose that lays the golden eggs, or is it regular goose that lays the golden eggs? Is whatever. There was no goose laying golden eggs for me. There's no goose, there were no eggs. There was no goose, there was no eggs. You want luck? Fucking go out there and work. Hustle. Go out there and bust your ass. Don't sleep. Work harder than the last guy. Work harder than all those guys. And then do what we were talking about before. Find a way. There's always a way. I teach people all mm -hmm. the time how to become successful on Amazon. Now, Amazon being this new disruptor just in the last 15, 20 years in the retail space and in the e-commerce space, I see people going from zero to hero every day on Amazon. And yeah, you can say, well, you got lucky. I'm not going to find my magic pill. Fucking bullshit. There's so many people finding their own magic pill every day. If you think that, give me a call. Join my course. Sign up. I'll, in fact, for anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you reach out to me by email, and I answer all emails, I've never not responded to an email, uh, it is darkzess at gmail.com, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S -S at gmail.com. Put not famous in the subject heading. I will give you my $200 one-hour course for free. I will give you the course for free, no obligation, no credit card, just so you can see how easy it actually is to start an online business. And yeah, maybe you're not going to become a millionaire or a billionaire like me and my friends, but you know what? You'll be one step ahead of all the other fuckers who didn't do it. I love it. That's amazing. And uh, so, you know what, I, I'm... Would you mind just excusing me while I send an email to docsess at gmail.com <laughs> with the uh, words not famous in the subject line? Um, that is very generous of you um, and uh, and amazing. You know, and it, it's um, I want to I want to skip to something else in your story. Uh, there are two things that are almost incongruous. You left home at fifteen. You you talk about it so uh, nonchalant, you know, so kind of nonchalantly, but who leaves home? Who is allowed to leave home at 15? Who, who is so motivated by or, or repelled, you know, from, from the fat, bald doctor whose house is owned by the bank and leaves home? And then there's another part as well, which is, you know, I mean, I mean, forget about breaking bad. You just went and concocted a legal herbal. How? How did you go into a kitchen? and figure out how to create a recipe, a cocktail. It, these two things are just, one day you will be dissected, my friend. Your brain will be dissected and they'll try and understand what makes you tick. How did you handle these two things? How did these two things happen? So that's one of the most common questions that people ask me. And the truth is that I had no idea what I was doing. The fact of the matter is that when the decision is made, the doing becomes effortless. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that once you become resigned to achieving the result that you want to achieve and you decide that you are willing, you don't might not have to do it, but that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it, 
very little can stop you. Sure, if you die, get hit by a truck or something, maybe. Outside of that, I wasn't willing to take no for an answer. And there was zero indication, if you saw it in my face, that I wasn't willing, able, or interested in doing the impossible. Sure, it's a seemingly impossible task. I I wanted to disrupt a couple major industries, do it as a teenager without any money or idea of what I was doing. But what I had was grit. What I had was all those years of having the shit kicked out of me, coming to an American school, being biased for being from Iran, being pushed around as a kid, and realizing that that built my character. It built my ability to stick to something. It it built my ability to be knocked down as many times as it takes and then to get up and to succeed. It's, you know, I, I oftentimes talk about the culture of the Vikings. I'm a huge fan of Viking lore and, and Norse culture and history. And when you look at those guys, they would go on these ships these tiny little man-made ships, I mean, not massive things by today's standards at all. They would cross great seas, risk great danger and life to do something impossible, to take over what was one of the most quote-unquote civilized civilizations ever, and they fucking won. For hundreds of years, the Vikings ruled England, and they didn't do it by fucking being like, man, I don't know, that's impossible. I'm going to have to get in the fucking boat, and what am I going to drink, and what am I going to eat? No one's done it. We don't have navigation. So they were like fucking swords drawn. We're going out there, and we're fucking going to win because we're fucking Vikings, and that's what we do. And it's that same spirit that when somebody has that, back up because that person is going to be the most dangerous person you will meet today. And that's what happens. And for me, I picked up the phone, I picked up books, I started calling authors. And they'd be like, you know, you're bothering me, kids. Stop calling. I'd be like, okay, great. Knock, knock. Tomorrow I'd show up at their door. I wouldn't take no for an answer. I'd go to uh, herbal stores in Chinatown. I'd be like, I need some herbs. They'd be like, okay, it's $500. I'd be like, great, I'll pay you next week. They'd be like, we don't do that here. I'd be like, now nah, you do. And I'd show wow. up or they'd tell me to fuck off. I'd go to the guy next door and I'd do the same thing. I wouldn't take no for an answer. There was zero possibility of me not succeeding. And that's what led me to that moment. It led me to that moment, again, where I'm staring at this guy that eats kids like me for a living, looking up to this guy, sweat dripping from my from my brow, but my feet glued to the ground, not moving, not one inch. Because I wasn't going to take no for an answer. It's that same spirit. And you can build that. I teach it to all my students who are part of my Amazon Mastery course. But you can learn that. You can learn that through mentors. You can learn that through mastermind groups. You can learn it through books. You can learn it through not working in a vacuum and having people around you that endorse you and encourage you and bring out the greatness of who you are. I love it. I love it. You get another standing ovation. And, you know, as, as I would say, although my wife uh, is getting a little tired of the joke, I would stand for you, but I'm not wearing any pants right now. So uh, I, will spare, yeah, I will spare you uh, the trauma. So one of the things that I like to do in the show is it, it is my gift as well to my, you know, to, to my fellow authors is tell them the name of their second book or their next book. Um, and uh, yours is a very simple one. 
the name of your next book. Look for it on, uh, maybe you've heard of the site Amazon, uh, but it's definitely going to be called Because We're Fucking Vikings. That's the name of your next book. <laughs> it writes itself, doesn't it? It really writes itself. Um, but I love that. And that's the phrase. That's the key phrase. It, it was, this is because this is who we are. We don't know how to do anything differently because this is who we are. You know, and if you are, if you are a hero, if you are a winner, if you are hungry, you know, if you're passionate, you just go and you fucking do it. And, uh, and this is the time of the show where I basically try and stump you by coming up with a quote that I believe is connected to you in some way, shape, or form. Um, and then I try and find the perfect time of the show to bring it on. So do you know which wise man or woman uh, said this? While you are sleeping, your enemies are planning your demise. Do you know who said that? You'll win an sounds, NFT if you know that. Sounds really wise. I mean, the guy who wrote that, should really win some kind of award. Um, he, he I'm, I'm going to go with me. I'm going to go with me for 100. And the answer is? Yes. You? <laughs> so I, I had another quote for you. Um, but yeah. then when I saw this quote, uh, I was like, well, let's make this the quote of the episode. While you are sleeping, your enemies are planning your demise. So what does this mean to you? Everyone's too fucking fragile. Everybody has thin skin. Everybody's thinking, man, maybe I won't get first place. I'll win a consolation prize. I'll win second place. I'll, you know, I don't, I can just take it easy. Bullshit. Whatever you're thinking right now, Google it. There's 50,000 people thinking it. Whatever you want to do, there's a million people out there better than you who could do it. And if you close your eyes in the time it takes you to blink, there's 50 other guys who were just waiting for that opportunity to take over your share of the market. It happens every day on every platform. And the way that you get around that is by knowing who you are, being self-reflective, but always being one step ahead. And you can learn that from great teachers, great mentors. But I oftentimes tell people, seek somebody out who is where you want to be in life and have them show you how they got to where they are. And if you do that, you can always be one step of the uh, one step ahead, I should say, of the competition. And And I'll add one thing to that as well, which is, by it's funny because I literally had a conversation about that earlier today. If you go to someone who is where you want to be and you ask them for help, chances are they'll want to help you because there there is a it's an interesting connection because you're coming to them. You're not you're not in any way, shape, or form looking to replace them, but everybody wants to be able to help in that way because it's it's somewhat connected back to your own ego. So there's something magical about that advice is so spot on. So yeah. spot on. It's yeah, actually, it, and, I, and I'll say why I'm, I'm going to take that advice too, you know, in looking towards how do I get to the next level? That's how personal it is to me. That's how spot on it is to me. 
Or they'll tell you to fuck off. Either way, you still or win. they'll tell me to fuck off. <laughs> it's one of the two, right? And I can live with either. You know, what I can't live yeah. with is, is you know, as they say, and, and I know uh, Manif is, is watching and Manif is, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm seeing the stuff he did. No plan Bs for me. I either make it uh, or, or <laughs> I was like, wait, did he type that wrong? No, he didn't. I either make it or I make it. These are the options. And, you know, he added one thing as well, uh, that he used to uh, escape home at 12. Uh, and one claimed, uh, I think, climbed down the water pipe. We have those extended in Yemen. So um, Iran and Yemen. Yeah. And now, and now you both are here kind of kicking us. Yeah, yeah. What exactly was the question right. again? No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know. I don't even know. I want to, at this point, um, I'm having so much fun with you and you, I, for, for whatever reason, um, you know, you've made me feel like this is the show that I always wanted to create. Uh, and, and, and it's clearly your energy, your energy and your approach. It's just awesome. You came here, you brought your A game and you just kicked ass and I love it. Uh, Someone else who's kicking off is our correspondent on Wednesday, uh, Brian Fanzo, iSocialFans. And he sent in this uh, correspondent vignette uh, all the way from Times Square uh, where he's going gaga over NFT. So let's hear what Fanzo had to say. What's up, friends? Brian Fanzo here, iSocialFans. And uh, I'm at an event uh, this week. And so I want to just kind of like talk about where we're moving in the future. And I know many probably have heard about the blockchain or, uh, you know, crypto, maybe we're even hearing about NFTs. And times are definitely changing. We are living in a space and a time where we are shifting control and power from the brands and from these centralized entities like platforms and moving that power to the creator and the individual. And I've actually never seen it more relevant than it is right here as I'm standing in Times Square and it is NFT NYC, which is a, a, the biggest NFT event here uh, in 2021. And all of these billboards behind me, all of those billboards have had NFTs on them, have had uh, the whole kind of shifting the narrative around this whole concept of NFTs. And, and for me, the, the, the clarify, like the way that I've been really kind of thinking about, like, how do we talk about this thing that has like, maybe it's Martians, like meta fans, like it's right there on the billboard. The real like value, the real thing for us to realize and to recognize is it's about this idea of frictionless exchange of value that is not only transparently shared, but it's trackable on the blockchain through the ledger. And to me, that alone, this idea of shift of how we track value, how we can exchange value, and how we can eliminate the friction is why NFTs and blockchain are transforming the way we think of business, the way we think about the way that we move forward. And I will tell you, you know, I was just in, that, uh, in a couple sessions just now, and I think one of the most important things is all of the creative energy from creators that are artists to musicians that are TV, TV hosts are going to be tilted towards NFTs and leveraging cryptocurrency. And therefore, for every brand, every leader, we have to really identify what does this mean for us. And the beauty of it is, if you understand that the future of business is community, all of this will be seamlessly integrated because it is truly a community first mindset. And I believe this is going to be the biggest disruption and one of the coolest times to actually be in this space and also 
really transform what's going on. So from New York City, from Times Square, my name is Brian Fanzo, I social fans. I wish you a great day and uh, I'll see you uh, on the, in the NFT world. Cheers. And I would be remiss if I didn't say his coin is the ADHD coin. And you can also get that on the rally.io uh, network. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that. Manif says, love it. And, um, you know, Brian is actually going to, Fanzo is actually going to be moving to Tuesday because um, he's just going to, you know, he's so into this whole metaverse and crypto and uh, world that he's, I, I just said to him today, you've got to do, you've you've just got to report on this every single week. And uh, in the short term, he's going to be doing, um, you know, Wellness Wednesdays, focusing on mental health, uh, ADHD, superpowered, misfit mafia. So thank you, Fanzo. Uh, uh, Shaheen, uh, any thoughts on, on what Fanzo had to say, uh, you know, uh, including what the fuck is an NFT? I think the world is changing very rapidly. COVID has shown us that nothing stays consistent for long. And the interesting part about what we're seeing now with blockchain, with NFTs, is that once again, it's industries that are being disrupted and power is coming back to the hands of the individual the people, the little guy. That's one of the reasons why we do Amazon because people look at a guy like Jeff Bezos, for example, and they think, fuck, man, look at this guy. He's a gajillionaire and he's got more money than I'll ever get. And, and, and they have that attitude. But what they don't see is that there are more millionaires and billionaires made from the efforts of that man than anyone else in the last 20 years. Bezos is going to be creating more and more and more millionaires and billionaires just in the next 10 years than I think we've seen from any other emerging industry because he's opened up his platform to allow third-party sellers to sell on there. So me, you, Uncle Joe, everybody who we know can go on to Amazon, start a seller account, start discovering products, and to start selling them. And these are disruptors. These are disruptive industries, things that will be disrupting the way that we do business, just like NFTs and crypto are. So I think that it's it's all part of the same story where before with consumer products goods, which is the area that I'm proficient in, you had these big players. You want to buy soap? You got to buy it from that big company. You want to buy a cola? You got to buy it from one of those big two. That's it. No other game in town. And then Amazon came along and they said, hey, you know what? We're going to give everybody a fair shot. Now you got millions of soaps, millions of sodas, millions of all these kinds of products being sold on there. And not only that, these big companies, these big corporations are having trouble competing because the language of disruption marketing is Seth Godin, the great uh, marketing expert used to say, branding marketing expert, author of Purple Cow and a bunch of other stuff. Check out his books. He's great. Would say the era of disruption marketing is over. The era of these mega companies spending billions of dollars on TV ads and radio ads to disrupt what you're doing to grab your attention to get you to buy that one shitty thing that they're selling, that's over. Nobody fucking trusts them, like you said in your, in, in your intro. Nobody fucking trusts the corporations anymore. Nobody trusts the government anymore. So where the power is gravitating back to is the individual. And we're going to see it. We're going to see it in businesses like Amazon, in NFTs, in cryptocurrencies. All these are things that are that are fascinating to look at. 
but all become part of a bigger plan for foundational wealth, which is, guys, everybody has to get into cash flow positive real estate. Ton of wealth is created through cash flow positive real estate. One of the best ways to invest your money. Compounding interest, get involved in crypto, NFTs, stocks, options, futures, anything where you can invest that money and have that interest compound. You should have a career or a job, something that keeps baby Joseph Jaffe in diapers. You got to have something that keeps your family fed so you don't have to stress. Eventually, we'll get you out of that so you don't have to sell your hours. And fourth, the fourth leg of the table, the pillar of our foundation, is an e-commerce business. There is no reason why now, at this particular point in history, that you have not started an e-commerce business. And I'm talking to everybody who's watching this. It should be part of your investment portfolio. It doesn't take that much time. It doesn't take that much money. It doesn't take that much energy. The risk is very low, low stakes. And the reward and potential is very high. And we are just at the ground floor, just like we are with crypto and with NFTs. And and quick question, what is an e-commerce business for, let's say, an author or a speaker or a talk show host? Uh, is it a book? Is it something like one of my books? Is it merch or is it something else? That depends on who you are. Obviously, if you're a doctor, and you've written a book on, I don't know, leg cramps, for example, then it would behoove you to, to look into the market of leg cramp products. Maybe there's a supplement for that. And you can be the authority figure for that and sell it on Amazon and tell that story. We teach in my course, in my FBA seller course, we teach people, don't go inventing a product and then going out there trying to find a market for it. What you want to do is you want to create a product uh, after you have found the market. So distribution first, always find a market, find what it needs, low hanging fruit, find the vulnerabilities in that market, and then go out there and exploit that market. That's what we teach. Amazing. Amazing. We are almost at the top of the hour, but I wanted to make sure that I touched on something that I noticed about you, which is, um, in the 1990s, uh, you and you told us that amazing story of herbal ecstasy, and uh, and what a story that is. In the two thousands, and we didn't discuss it. Um, you did a lot with with in the whole field of vaping. In the twenty tens, and it says it's interesting because I was reading through um, your press sheet. It says twenty tens. Amazon, an e commerce expert, and and speaks about what you've been doing now. And then I thought to myself, wait a second, this man reinvents himself every 10 years. He completely reinvents himself, or more importantly, is he moves to something, he is truly skating to where the puck is going to be. So I don't know if you've seen that or, or, or that's been reflected in you or whether that's kind of front and center, number one. And number two, what is it going to say about Shaheen Shine? under 2020s because it's 10 years now yeah so i think are you asking me what's next i'm not asking what's the next big thing i'm just asking what you're going to do next what i'm going to do next well right now there's a huge push for amazon companies and amazon products and we're in the process of selling one of our big companies so what's next now is getting this company sold there's been uh over, I think, $6 billion 
pumped in from Wall Street into these aggregators that are coming in now and buying up Amazon companies. There's never been a better time to be in the Amazon companies, products, business. And we're just getting geared up now to sell some of these companies. So what's in the future for us is moving companies, selling companies. And then also my students are getting ready to do that too. So a lot of the people who are in my course uh, now are getting to the point where we can start looking at building their companies for a sale, for an exit, which is the dream of any entrepreneur that starts a company. I, I hear vertical integration. I hear a venture capitalist, angel investor. It makes complete sense to me. Uh, you make sense to me. Uh, Manif applauds you, as do I. Uh, for those of you that want to find out more uh, about guest number 297, and without question, the best guest yet in this little adventure of mine, you can uh, find out more about him uh, and 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 follow him and connect with him not only on Twitter and Instagram and MetaBook or Face Meta or whatever the hell they call it uh, and LinkedIn. Um, subscribe to his channel on YouTube. Buy Billion: How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. Find out about his Amazon FBA course. And not only can you do that, but of course, very kindly. Uh, if you uh, email him, docsess at gmail.com with not famous in the subject line, uh, you're going to get access to one of these courses for free. Most importantly, look out for his new book, Because We're Fucking Vikings, available wherever fine books are sold. Uh, Cheyenne, thank you so much uh, for hanging out with me today. I have one more surprise for you. Uh, which is, and this is not Cameo, and I resent any allegations, but I flew Chuck Norris into my studio yeah. to tell the world what he thinks of you. And this is what he had to say. You are Chuck Norris approved. I will be back tomorrow with Bruce Tertel. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Thank you again, Shane. Bye-bye.